reaching up, reaching over, and reaching out. We are New Life Christian Fellowship. For service times, articles, or recordings of our weekly messages, please visit us online at www.nlcfchurch.org. Good morning. I've been asked a few times this morning, what's in the box? Do you want to know? <laughs> I hope you're not disappointed. What's that? It's not Pandora's box. There's actually nothing in it. I'm sorry. <laughs> this box is just an illustration. Um, this is one of the few things that has made it. I built this in high school, in high school wood shop. And the intention, for those of you that are at the front here, the intention for me when I built this box, or when I designed it anyways, I was going to make it so I could hide stuff in it. Do you see how I was going to do that? How's that? A false bottom. I didn't finish it. There's a, there's a groove here that would allow me to put a second floor in it and maybe an opening. I wasn't sure exactly how to complete it. And I didn't even know what I was going to hide in it. I just knew it, it, was, it sounded like a great idea, right? And so I went about building it. And uh, I think the reason it didn't get completed because I just ran out of time. And, uh, and it was interesting. Uh, it's been under my feet in my office, in my desk. And it's a perfect platform, you know, for ergonomic, ergonomically correct seating. <laughs> so... When I pulled it out, when I wanted to use it as a, uh, as a sermon illustration, my foot kept looking for it. When you sit down, my foot would automatically go for Oh yeah, it's not there anymore. And um, I'm just going to leave it here as a, uh, just as a bit of a visual for today's topic about taking delight um, in who Christ is. In who, and and the, the kingdom of heaven is like, is like a treasure hidden in a field. I think it's a, it's a bit of a fascinating uh, parable uh, that Jesus is using to teach us. And um, yeah, so let's, let's just, I, I want to make sure that we're, we're not going to lose track of what the ultimate outcome I'm hoping for is. And some people take and put glasses on to read. I take mine off. So namely, the treasure is Jesus. The treasure in the box, the treasure in the field, the pearl the pearl is Jesus, and our delight is to be in him. So let's keep that in mind as we, uh, as we dig in. Thanks, Bill, for coming across this, this series on discipleship. Uh, it's exactly what I needed. Um, I've been on a journey um, for some time. I've been on a, a journey of faith for a lot of years now. Um, I, turned, uh, I turned 48 uh, it was almost an April Fool, so just full disclosure, my, my birthday is April 2nd, and 1975. Um, and, uh, and I turned 48 uh, last month. And uh, there's been some defining moments uh, in my life recently that God has been orchestrating. Um, and I won't get into too much detail because I think it's going to sidetrack from today's message. But suffice it to say that I think I've... I've been relearning or coming back to that place where I'm able to see just how much 
I've been forgiven. Just how good God is. And, and a question that we had, I had uh, one, of my, uh, one of the guys at church was recently, the question was, why is God so good to us? Why is he so good? And, uh, and I think out of that question, to me, there's a newness and a freshness that you're able to maintain when you remind yourself just how good God is and how he didn't have to send his son Jesus and he didn't have to do everything that we need to develop and grow into more and more of who he is and wants us to become. He didn't have to do that. And uh, that's the delight that we want to focus in on today. And I have to say that as I've continued to offer my yes to God in the areas where I feel called to serve, more blessings have come. And so I'm not saying that God owes me when I say yes. That's not, it's not a transactional thing, right? Um, but it is an obedience thing. And when I'm obedient in following after what it seems like he wants me to do, blessings come. Have there been seasons of dry and seasons of insecurity and seasons of feeling like failures? Yeah, yeah, but, but all through it. You come back to that place and you realize uh, the early disciples at one point too, Jesus asked him, well, those and those have left, did, are you guys going too? And their response is, but where else would we go? What else do you have? I, I don't have anything if I don't have you. And so that's the delight that we want to try to focus in on and hopefully uh, be able to practice on a more consistent basis. Um, so yeah, God has given us all that we need for life and godliness. I'm taking that from 2 Peter chapter 1. And just like the good father that he is, he takes delight in us. And will indeed at times pour an extra dose of blessing into the lives of those that determine to keep walking in obedience. And so I'm so thankful for that. Because he only knows. I've messed up enough times that... Uh, if he was like an earthly father who sometimes loses confidence in his children, um, gets frustrated, says things that he shouldn't, I'm human. And, uh, and so I'm thankful for that model of, uh, of a God who is indeed delighted in his children. The other thing that I uh, a thought that popped into my mind is that we do nothing in a vacuum. Um, and if you can follow that visual, um, when we choose something... We are not only affecting ourselves. The choices that we make, and I'll say even the thoughts that we have, because thoughts lead to actions, and actions affect those around us. Um, so we, we recognize, and this is where it's so important to be a part of a, a church community, or a community. Um, a community works well when we're all very conscious of the fact that if I do something, it affects somebody else. Um, I, I wore slides this morning. That might affect a few of you. I'm not sure what your opinion is of somebody up front here wearing slides. Not only slides, but socks. Socks and slides. Is that okay? Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I'm 40. I get away with stuff like that now. <laughs> yeah. On Friday, two weeks ago, Friday, I, I volunteer at the Bridge Youth Drop in Center in Leamington. And they have a new youth coordinator who I'm just getting to know. And it was nice enough that day where I was going to risk wearing a pair of shorts. So I came in and, and, and Mikey greeted me. He says, oh, wow, you look like such a dad. And I said, 
I am, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> so, but we do nothing in a vacuum, and uh, it's just a, a bit of a thought that our actions, our thinking of who we are, which again leads to actions, affects everybody around us, and the things that we take delight in affect those around us. Here's a story. Years ago, a small t- in a small town in northern Alberta, a dad set out to build a shed to try to teach his boys a bit about work ethic. How effort is needed in order for good things to come about. Working is also simply good for our character. Did you know that? Working wasn't part of the curse. Um, working, God had instructed Adam and Eve to already look after the garden well before sin came about. And so working is not part of the curse. And, and that's something that might not, to me it's a bit of a, a, almost a moot point, but I think it's important to remember that because sometimes we, we get frustrated about work. Um, and sometimes it's a certain demographic. Sometimes when you're, I don't know, like a teenager, work seems absolutely pointless. Uh, sometimes even school. School seems pointless. When am I ever going to use this math? You got a point, but how about the work that it takes to learn that math? You going to learn something in that process? I suspect when we work through hard things, we start to learn a bit about who we are and what we're capable of, even if we don't use that math. But you'll be surprised where that math might help you. So, a boy, two boys actually, and a dad are looking to build a shed, and then effort Effort is good for us. It's not part of the curse. One of the boys in particular, he whined a bit. Oh, Dad, do we have to? And I said, no. I mean, the dad said, no. <laughs> you don't have to. Oh, wow. And he decided to turn around and go back to the house. I said, wait, 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 wait. This boy's name happened to be Joseph, and he's my son. And he is, uh, he's, I love him very much. But he has found it hard to appreciate work, physical work that is. He's one of these kids that we all need in our lives now because he's a nerd. He's a techie. And uh, who do you think solves the problems with our electronics in the house, right? So I appreciate him for that. But he he struggled even as a young boy, even when we were living across the street here, stacking firewood, he would inevitably get something in his eye and be the first to need to go inside. So I don't say that to embarrass him, to shame him, well, maybe a little bit, but only that uh, it's been good for me. It's been good for me to recognize that we can't elevate work to the place where that's all we use for our identity. We do that as guys, right? Hey, uh, oh, what do you do for a living? That's almost always how that conversation goes when you meet somebody. And it's not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, I think, though, that sometimes it's good to wait for that to come about and, and so that we don't overvalue what it is that we do for a living and that somehow becomes tied to our identity. Because what if we can't work anymore? Have we lost value? I hope not. So, this interchange of 
oh, do we have to? No. No, you don't. You only have to if you don't want to. It didn't, it didn't make sense to him. What do you mean? What, what does that mean? Well, if you simply change your attitude, you recognize that you don't have to if you want to, because then you get to. You tracking? <laughs> so it's a heart condition. It's an attitude. We don't have to if our attitude is that we get to. And when there's a project, you know, hands-on with dad, it's you get this opportunity to learn some skills, right? Look beyond those initial uh, feelings of that emotion of, oh, I really don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm finding it hard to appreciate this. Well, there's, there's probably something you can take away from it. Uh, it might not be evident right away. So there's, uh, yeah, so we don't have to, we get to. I'd like us to say that to ourselves out loud. You ready? I don't have to, I get to. Yeah, it's cheesy. But it works. It, it works. When we repeat things, it works. Uh, God did that for the children of Israel uh, in the desert where he asked them to remember. Remember what I did for you. Remember I parted the water. Remember I fed you. And, uh, and so repetition has its place. We don't have to, we get to. There's incredible, incredible power on tap when we simply adjust our have to into a get to. It works this way in our walk with the Lord. We can end up with an amazing amount of endurance and resilience if only we adjust our attitude. In our reading, we find that a man has discovered a hidden treasure in a field and sets out to make sure that this field, more so this treasure, becomes his. Heavenly Father, as we uh, process and press into your word today, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive what it is that you have in mind for each of us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear that story repeated? Anybody? Let me read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Nothing triggers? Back there. Hidden, hid it again. Okay, wait a minute. Whose field is it when he finds the treasure? It's obviously not his because he needs to buy it. What's he doing digging around in somebody else's field? And then he hides it again? Like, what's going on here? That sounds a little bit um, shife, doesn't it? Is that the point of this story? No. So sometimes you'll get that. Uh, these parables that Jesus tells us, all of a sudden there's this, this thing that's a sticking point, right? Well, that doesn't sound right. What's going on here? That's not the point, right? The point is there's a treasure. There's a treasure, and it's hidden. 
and it needs to be bought and pursued with everything this man has. That's how, that's how valuable this treasure is. So let's not get caught up in the details about him perhaps trespassing on someone's property or how the right thing might have been to let the current landowner know about this treasure. Right? Like, look what I found on your field. Can I maybe have some of it? Finder's fee, right? I don't know. So those aren't the details that we want to focus on. It's not the point. The point is, is that something of immeasurable value has been discovered and it's commendable in God's eyes to do whatever it takes to acquire this treasure. So let's dig in to discover more. This parable from Matthew 13 reminds me of another parable that Jesus told. So if we look into Matthew 19, so just a few chapters over, there's another parable where Jesus talks about a man who came to him and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the, if you want to, yeah, enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because... He had great wealth. Oh, you don't have to sell everything to follow Jesus? Come on, what's going on? Is that the point of that story? No, no it's not. And however, we do have examples. One of the ones that stands out to me is Francis Chan, um, who basically sold everything to follow Jesus. It's incredible. I don't think we're all called to that. So I don't want to induce fear. The point is, is again, there was a heart condition in this man that needed work, needed attention. He had all his delight, all his joy was in his stuff. Apparently that's, that's where that was at for him. Uh, several weeks back, uh, a, f- a fine gentleman by the name of Terry Bone, um, he likes to brag about his name because um, like short form, it could be like T-bone. Um, he's, he's a great man, great man of God. He came forward and he was, uh, was going to make a point. Um, and he, he had several different denominations of dollar bills in his hands. So he's handing out a five, who wants a five dollar? I should have brought money, I guess. I don't want to steal his analogy. And I don't have the money to do this. <laughs> five dollars, who wants it, Right. So people put up their hand, $20, who wants it? And then he takes a $100 bill. And then somebody comes and hands him a pair of scissors. And I'm not kidding. This is a genuine $100 bill. And he takes the scissors, <laughs> and he knows, right? And he cuts it. And then he cuts it again, and he cuts it, and he cuts it into probably 20 different little pieces. To make the point that we have very much an emotional connection to things, to money in particular. There were, there were actually several people in that service for the very first time in that, in that, in, in, at Meadowbrook that morning. And what 
what a terrible way to introduce people into the life of that church, right? Cut up some money. One of them was a local business owner who came forward. Uh, there's always an altar call uh, at the end of the service. And he came forward to pick up a piece of that $100 bill because he was so impacted. Uh, it was just amazing. It was the service for him to come because God had that message there for him. And uh, I, I think there's some risk that he was taking. He was fully aware of the risk, but the point was made. We have very much an emotional attachment to money, to things. Where is our treasure? Where, what do we delight in? So his, his blessing, God's blessing uh, in and on our lives is deeply affected by what we place our delight or joy in. So let's, let's hang out there for a second. God's blessing in and on or even in through our lives is deeply affected by what we place our delight or joy in. And, and I think we can break it down to some very practical things because often what we delight in, we spend time on, and, uh, and, and that often affects our ability to affect others, right? If, if all of my time, and, and I'll use gaming as an example because... I can pick on him, he's my son. Um, if all of our time is in front of a screen, how many people are we impacting in our lifetime? So I'm not going to say zero, because he games with others through his headset, right? So I, I'm, I'm really, 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 really trying, as an old man, older, to realize that I don't know everything. And I don't know everything about how people can be reached and influenced and affected. So if we're intentional, we could even affect others through our gaming, if we're intentional about it. Um, I was going to make this point later, but I think I'll make it now. Quite some time ago, um, it was impressed on me. The word discipline kept coming up for me. One of the forms of discipline that I'm familiar with is... Uh, lifting up heavy things. And, and, I, and I even pay to do that. <laughs> Isn't that silly? To buy a gym membership just to make you sweat and cause you discomfort and pain? Why do we do this to ourselves if we do it? Because it's good. It's good for us. It's good for me. And, uh, and it's, it's been interesting as I've been pressing into that and I think it's simply partly uh, a response of obedience to what I was feeling God was asking, right? Return to the gym. How do I justify that? I'm beyond just the physical benefits, right? Um, one of the things that was impressed on me as well, okay, um, if I'm going to spend, you know, I probably spend six, perhaps eight hours a week in the gym. And uh, it's become a bit of a ministry there. And it's not necessarily all my doing. Um, again, it's one of those things that I feel like I've responded to in obedience and God is, is bringing blessing to that. Uh, so much so that uh, one of the young men that I've... Uh, and and here's, here's the, the reality. There's a lot of, just like at the bridge where I volunteer, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of kids that are growing up without fathers, without parents, without that stable uh, nuclear family network 
and, and it's, uh, it's indicative. That's, that's why I think we're, uh, the culture is going where it's going. Um, there's a lot of insecurity. There's a lot of anxiety uh, in our kids growing up as a whole, uh, as a nation. And, um, and so there's, there's a lot of kids that are looking for stability, looking for somebody that cares, looking for somebody that has time. And uh, one of them uh, happened to, I guess I used to work with his dad at Unifab up in Windsor when I was there for a few years. And I got to share a bit of my story of pursuing God. And so uh, I asked him uh, to spot me when I was doing a set of bench press. And I think, I think what happened was that was such a big deal to him to be asked to help that right after the set, he's like, I got to share my testimony last Sunday. We hadn't said, up until that point, we hadn't, I hadn't said anything about church, about religion, about spiritual, nothing. It unlocked something for him, I think. I think that's what happened. It seems like that's what happened for him. And, uh, and so, wow, that's amazing. Uh, tell me more, right? And so, tell me where he goes to church. And, and, uh, and so here we were in the aisle and people are kind of walking around us and here's somebody nearby listening. I, I, I realized, and we probably stood there for 20 minutes just visiting. And I realized that guy hadn't done a set the whole time that we were talking. You know, th- there's something going on, right? It, it's, it's incredible when we leave room for God to move what can happen sometimes. And I'm seeing that more and more all the time. And, uh, and it's amazing to me. So after that, he said too, well, you know, he'll, he'll be getting baptized soon if I wanted to come to the baptism. It's like, <laughs> wow. There's very little that'll bring this guy to cry. <laughs> Compared to when somebody makes those steps toward faith and... Uh, and those are the rich, rich rewards of being faithful, of taking delight in, in the God who created me and realizing that I have a call, I have a purpose, and uh, I've, been, I've been trying to figure it out all my life, largely. Um, came to faith 18 or 19, something like that. My wife is better at that. Sorry, she, she regrets not being able to come today. But... Um, but it's been interesting. It's been an interesting journey, and uh, and it hasn't been easy. Um, but it's been really, really good. So even the gym is a place where where God is at work. If I let Him, if I remember to be intentional about God, show me who should who should I connect with today. And again, I'm an extroverted person, so He's made me unique. He's He's not necessarily going to ask you to do the same thing. However, he's probably asking you to do something, right? To, to let him use that, that sort of that joy of being a forgiven child of God, affecting you to make an impact for someone else. So let's, uh, we're going to turn our attention for, to an Old Testament passage that sheds some light on how seriously God takes our attitude towards serving him. This one's a bit of a shocker. Just uh, put your seatbelts on. So this is Deuteronomy 28, uh, two verses here. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47 says, 
Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity, therefore in hunger and thirst and nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies of the Lord that the Lord sends against you. He will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. Woo! How's that for a punch in the face? Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. Wow. God, check my spirit. Check my attitude. So recognizing full well, these are very harsh words. Uh, And again, God is saying them to make a point. God's not looking for people to step out of line simply to bring calamity on their lives. He doesn't take any joy in hurting his people or disciplining his people, but he will do that. Abe, you mentioned uh, that there's no love unless there's justice as well, right? Um, And so God is not just uh, a precious moments Bible God, right? Where he's our friend. Um, He loves me. Guess what he does? And he's our friend. But he's also just and will allow discipline to come when we step out of line. He's all that, but he's a good God and he knows what we need. Sometimes they're just simple consequences to our actions. At times we like bad things. Other times we can become guilty of loving the right things with the wrong motives. And this is... uh, so Travis Agnew, he, he mentioned the, uh, this is, he's the, the pastor that uh, developed this series on discipleship. And uh, so he mentioned the, the uh, we, don't, we don't have to, we get to. Um, and so that was neat as well. But he talks about an analogy involving married couples where when they're dating, the boyfriend often would bring flowers and something special, right? Why? Oh, he delighted in this young lady. He wanted to win her heart, right? And, uh, and then they get married and it's exciting and then years go by and it's been a while since the flowers have shown up. Um, it's been, been some time since there was anything special planned. How does that happen? We lose delight in each other. That, that joy, that spark that was there when... Um, you just do absolutely everything to get their attention, right? And it goes both ways. Um, so if we continue to be delighted in our relationships as spouses, it makes a tremendous difference. And it's not just spouses. I think even as friends, right? To, to take notice of something, to, make, to give a compliment, right? To, to recognize somebody, their achievement or otherwise, how about commitments to do better or something, um, uh, you know, something needs attention in our lives? Maybe, maybe, we've, uh, maybe we've determined that we're going to go back to the gym or we're going to get better at our finances and um, there's a New Year's resolution that we're going to actually fulfill this time around. Um, but then we realize two days later that yeah, I'll start again next year, <laughs> right? And so there's an aspect of that too that, you know what, if we lose sight of, of, of that joy, if in the, the neat thing is, uh, again, we live in an interesting time where so much is available to us online as far as information. And uh, so if that's all that we needed was more information, we should all 
have all the problems in the world figured out. But obviously that didn't work. The internet was not our savior. Um, one of the descriptions of the internet that I came across recently that was really, really good, actually was Pastor Chris at Meadowbrook. He said, the internet was built for speed, not integrity. It's like, whoa, that's a really good quote. That's a memorable one. And remember that when you post or repost, right? It's there. And, uh, and so be, be, be diligent, be responsible. But the internet has also brought just a ton of good at our fingertips if we can filter through and choose the good. Um, I know as, as, uh, as the kids grew up and, and I would, you know, as they got more permission with online and access and things like that, to start putting different YouTube channels in front of them. People that, uh, you know, there was good integrity, and, yeah, good integrity, um, just good content that didn't compromise their, their walk with the Lord. Um, but it seems like, because our kids are very normal, it seems like there's always this gravity to garbage, being pulled to the bad stuff. And because somehow the, it's the bad stuff that seems exciting and fun. But, but it's like, have you tried the good stuff? <laughs> right? What, what part of my life has been drab and boring? It hasn't. It's been really, really good. But that's my perspective, right? So I, I need to, to recognize that they, they can't share it from the same vantage point. But sometimes we want to do better, but we lose motivation. And often it's linked to the fact that we lost sight of that delight, that joy that wanted to start that in the first place. Uh, so what helps me in that area in particular is when I become highly conscious of the fact that God can use us powerfully whenever and in whatever we choose to pursue, given that it is something he can bless. So again, uh, things that we choose to spend our time in uh, and, and to focus on, the things we choose our, to spend our money on, right? He, God can bless all of that. But let's remember that uh, he won't bless something if it's not within his will. And, uh, and if we're acting irresponsibly or sitting back assuming that he's going to take care of things and we don't have anything to do with it, guess what? We have our part to play, uh, but, but he will bless our, our actions. So I find that in, uh, if I'm... Uh, it, sorry, I think I misspelled there. So if, if I live in appreciation, taking delight in who Jesus is and what he has done, it is no longer a chore to share myself with others. So if we back up to, this, to our story about the treasure in the field, uh, we see that the treasure is indeed Jesus, right? So it starts off by saying that the kingdom of heaven is like, okay? Um, but ultimately, the, the treasure is Jesus, Right? We need to do what we can to discover Jesus if we're not believers, if we haven't made that commitment, um, and then we need to do whatever it takes to make him our own and then to live in that, um, to stay committed, right, so that we don't lose that joy, that delight, because it affects how we live. Um, the other thing, I, I didn't look up the, the reference in Revelation, where which church, which church was it that lost its first love? Church, oh, sorry? Ephesus. Ephesus. 
Those Ephesians, they sound a lot like me, <laughs> right? And so sometimes it's nice to, have, to be able to point the finger, um, but I think uh, we can recognize that we're all guilty of, at times, losing perspective, losing that delight in uh, what we understood Jesus having done for us. And, uh, and so I fully recognize where I would be, I think, if, if I hadn't found Christ. Um, I was headed down a pretty dark path. Um, I hadn't thought of including this, but I buried a very good friend of mine. My time frame is gone again. Was it last year? It's been longer. Neil Heinrichs. Neil uh, was somebody that I hung out with uh, as a teenager, and, uh, and, he, and he, his body caved into the, uh, the whole alcohol abuse. Um, and he tried. He tried to go through rehab a few different times, um, and he couldn't beat it. It had gotten such a hold of him. And, uh, and with that said, you know, again, when you put your delight, when you put your joy in something like that, um, thinking that you can't live without it, and it becomes that habit, and you can't, eventually you get addicted. And, and we get addicted to lots of different things. But again, you're putting your joy, your delight in something that's ultimately detrimental, and in his case, it was, it was terminal. It was, it was so critical. And um, my prayer, I was asked to share something on, uh, at the graveside, which I was very delighted to do. Um, but my message to his boys, that, that was who I was, that was who my audience was when I was sharing there. Um, had no idea what to say. What do you say to somebody who's lost their dad? And they have their whole life in front of them. Very impactful. So the expected response to discovering treasure is that we will make him our priority, uh, our primary delight, and pursue a relationship with him in an ongoing way where we can demonstrate our love for what he has done by our priorities. That's it's a pretty big sentence. I'll read it again. Sometimes I try to have lofty thoughts. The expected response to discovering this treasure is that we will take and make him our priority, our primary delight, and pursue a relationship with him in an ongoing way where we can demonstrate our love for what he has done by our priorities. I don't know what that looks like in your life. You do. I think you do. If you don't, God will reveal that to you. Um, and, and I will say this. Um, sometimes it takes maybe almost a lifetime you know, to really fully discover that. Right? God gives us glimpses um, at times. And sometimes he speaks to his, his uh, faithful very, very loudly, very, some of them audibly. Um, I, I've been asked years ago, years ago, I was asked, John, how did you know, how did you know you were supposed to put your house up for sale three years after getting married, two children, you're off to Bible school? How did you know? 
I didn't know. I just didn't want to miss it if that was him. And I think it was him. Actually, I'm convinced it was him because I learned so much, so much. And then as I've been going and as I've been learning, I realized that there's so much that I don't know. And yet there's only so much time. And so I better appreciate and take delight in the things that are actually really important. And, you know, the, the boat can wait. The restoration of my car, eh, you know, maybe that's not that important. Maybe someday. <laughs> what are we taking delight in? You know what God wants as a response. He wants obedience. But I think in, in, in more specifically, there may have already been something that have, has come to mind that either you need to start, you need to stop, or you need to keep doing. Right? So, so I think uh, God sometimes can make himself quite evident and make it quite clear what we need to do. Um, if he hasn't done that for you this morning, I'm not surprised but I think if you want that to be the case, if you want to hear from him, he's listening. He's ready to respond. We just need to get closer. And uh, uh, what's, the, what's the saying? If, uh, if, if you don't feel close to God, it's not him that's moved. Um, so that's my prayer for you, is, is that as you press into him, you will get closer. And you'll get closer to um, his intention, his will for your life. And remember, we don't have to. We get to. Can I pray with you in closing? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, why are you so good? Why do you keep blessing us? And God, even despite some of the challenges that are collectively in this room here this morning, God, you want to use that. You're so good that you can even use the hard things, the dark things at times to bring about your, your will, your purpose. And I pray that God, if there's somebody here this morning that doesn't entirely know if they're right with you, um, that it would become clear that they need to and just to submit ourselves to your plan and purpose to make more, more of uh, who, who you are by our response and, and in the way we live. God, we ask, uh, because we know we can't do this on our own, God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to convict us, to do whatever it is that, we need, that needs to be done in order that we would come, become uh, more in line with who you are and what you have for us. God, we ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.